Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you, thank you. I always feel really nervous about these chords, like I'm going to have a moment, which is why I'm usually up here barefoot. Um, but tonight, I kept my shoes on, <laughs> which is impressive, because all I want to do is sit down most of the day. Guys, I'm so glad that I get the chance to speak with you this evening. How many of you were here last week for when Lyle kicked off this series, Relation Fit? Three of you? There's like 150 of you in here. Um, awesome. Yes. Okay. So if you weren't here, let me catch up to speed. Lyle and I initiated a sermon series together, which is kind of, it's the first time we've ever done this, getting to tag team and invite some other people in to join the conversation with us. But we wanted to do a series on relationships Right. So we, like Lyle said earlier, we have been making this declaration since probably around day one, which is we're not just a ministry. We don't want to be just a ministry. We want to be a family. And we realized that as we're making this declaration that everybody comes to the table with a different image of what family is. And some of you walk in the door and you hear, this, we don't want this to be a ministry, we want this to be a family, and you're like, yes, I'm in, sign me up. And then some of you are like, I would rather walk back out of the door because my experience with family has been either really painful or I just didn't have the kind of experience with family that, you know, maybe my friends did. So we wanted to kick off the series because we wanted to explore together as a community, what does it look like to for God to define for us what healthy relationships, what healthy family looks like. So Lyle kicked off last week, and he did a sermon on our relationship with God. That wrecked my life. I don't know about anybody else. Yeah, it, it wrecked my life. If you guys haven't had the chance, go back, listen to that podcast, because it's so foundational for what we're sharing on in this, uh, in this series as a whole, and I really want everybody to get that, because what he shared was so simple, yet so profound, and basically, the overarching message was, God doesn't just tolerate a relationship with you. He likes having a relationship with you. And in fact, he fashioned you for relationship, and he fashioned you for relationship with him first and foremost above everything else. And any lie that's gotten in the way of that, whether that's learned behavior or just this experience that you've had with God that you know might be different or contrary to that revelation, you know, Lyle shared in a way that, that would help us to overcome some just ungodly beliefs that we probably have about the Father towards us. So if you have the chance, I want you to go back and listen to that podcast if you weren't here. But if you were here, you're probably like me, and I, I probably talked about the message for the whole rest of the night because I was so messed up. We talked about it all week long, and still the sermon messed me up. So um, you don't want to miss it. So this week, I don't have any like, oh, look, there is a fancy slide behind me. Thanks, sweetheart. But this week, I'm going to be talking on the subject of loving ourselves. Yay. Loving ourselves. We have as many bad thoughts, 
about loving ourselves as we do incorrect beliefs about God and how he feels towards us. And the reason why we decided to start off our series, not with, you know, how to relate with your friends or with your family, um, and, and the reason why we decided to jump in with love, love God and loving ourselves is because appropriately this sermon series is called Relation Fit. Um, and it's almost like, do you guys have that friend that works out a lot, but like you can't tell? <laughs> but you like can't really tell that much? Totally. <laughs> Try and stop it. Because I know you, and this point does not apply to you. <laughs> but, but the reason why is because their nutrition is whack, right? So they're like lifting all this heavy weight or they're like doing all this cardio and they like visit, you know, steak and shake straight away after. That's a whole lot of work for like zero results, right? So that's why we're starting off with loving God and loving ourselves because if we talk about anything else before that, it's like lifting a whole lot of weight and then nobody being able to tell. You know, because it's like we can we can really have this great experience with other people and have a terrible experience with the Lord or our beliefs about the Lord and a belief about ourselves. And it just it's like a ticking time bomb, like love without recognizing what's first. It it runs out, has an expiration date. You know what I mean? Like you're just doing it in your own strength. How many of you experience that? Like I've loved people and then it like hits a wall. Right. So that's usually, so i found, as a result of misplaced or misguided beliefs about God or about ourselves. So tonight we're going to talk about loving ourselves. And to be honest, this is a little bit of an uncomfortable topic for me to talk about. One, because I don't know if I do this really well in my own life. Sometimes I feel like I got it under control and I'm loving me super well. And then other days I'm like... Man, uh, I missed it today. So bear with me. This is a very vulnerable thing to talk about. I've been on this journey of loving myself for actively, like pursuing what it looks like to love self and, and get God's perspective about who I am for about eight years now. So just bear with me. This Hopefully there won't be any messy tears, but if there are, just like clap or something. <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, how many of you get uncomfortable when you, somebody asks you, like, to talk about yourself? Like, what do you like? Yeah. Right? So when Lyle and I were dating, I remember he would ask me things like, hey, like, what do you love? What do you like? What are you passionate about? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know what I like. I like Jesus, and I like people, but I don't, I don't really know what I'm passionate about. I felt so uncomfortable talking about me. And at some point, you have to question, like, why? Why? Like, why is it so awkward for me to talk about myself? Like, I, I should know me pretty well. I've been living with me for, at the time, you know, 21 years now. I should know that I'm wonderful. But still, when somebody would ask me or approach me and say, like, what do you love to do? I, it was like I would draw a blank. I didn't even know what my favorite color was. I knew what I was supposed to like. I knew I was supposed to like 
hanging out with people. I knew I was supposed to like, you know, like have some hobbies and stuff. But I literally didn't have any. That's a problem. That's a big problem. If you can't even articulate like what you like, um, what you love to do, what makes you special or unique, like how many of you know that's, pro that's probably a problem? It's a problem. So I, I had already been on this journey of learning to love myself. Um, for at the time, probably about three years, I was living in Reading at the time. They have some really fantastic teaching coming out of Bethel on, um, you know, self-management, loving yourself, you know, stewarding the fruits of the spirit in your life. If you've never heard of Danny Silk, you're welcome. Go look him up because it's going to change your whole life. Um, because what he has to say about relationships and loving is just off the charts. So it's not like I wasn't getting fantastic teaching. I was getting the best teaching in the world about it, but still there was something like a disconnect between why am I not experiencing true self-love? Why am I not experiencing what God says is true about me in my own life? And I realized, you know, you know, rewinding a little bit, how many of you, when you were in high school, some of you are still in high school probably, or early college, but in high school got into like, a really wonderful relationship, like your high school sweetheart. Yep. I had one of those, <laughs> and he was wonderful. He still is wonderful, <laughs> but obviously I married somebody else. <laughs> Didn't work out. <laughs> but in the midst of that season, I remember, I remember making this statement to myself. You guys think it's funny because you all had one, and you're like, yeah, it didn't work out, but he was great. But because <laughs> he was, um, you know, I, I made this conscious statement as an 18-year-old getting into a serious relationship for the very first time. The very first time being really tested on: Do am I self-confident? Do I love myself? And how is that going to affect the people around me? Because on some level, until you get into a relationship like that, you can have that with your siblings, but that kind of relationship brings it to the surface. And I remember making this statement, and this might be familiar for some of you. And I made the statement, I'm so glad he loves me because I don't really like me that much. And as long as he loves me enough, then I don't really have to love myself that much. And I settled into this place of being really comfortable letting other people dictate to me how wonderful I was. And at that point, I gave keys away to my heart to somebody who never, ever asked for them in that sense and never wanted to steward that. But I made this ungodly belief vow in my heart, and I said, you know what? As long as other people tell me I'm wonderful, then I am. And that set me up for a lot of failure in life moving forward relationally. Hey, Lyle, you're going to have to keep an eye on time for me because I'll get lost. Um, I, guess I, just, I just took a screenshot, and so I don't always know the time. You got plenty of time. Thanks, babe. But anyways, so I, I was in this season of life, you know, 18 years old. I make this, you know, vow in my heart that says, I don't actually have to love me as long as other people love me for me. And that 
was the worst decision. I like even think about it. I like look at Jesus's face in the midst of me making that decision. And he's like, oh, sweetheart, we're going to go on a journey. Because the moment I made that decision in my heart, I said, I don't really matter. Everybody else matters more than me. And to some extent, it looks really, really good. Remember the ticking time bomb I talked about? It looks really good for a time, but that kind of love has an expiration date on it. And one day, you're going to hit your brick wall, and you're going to do a myriad of things that you never wanted to do, finding to the best of your ability, the feeling of satisfaction and love. And so I spent a lot of my early adulthood struggling with all sorts of different weird behaviors. Um, Some of you know my story, but I, I battled with bulimia and anorexia for about two or three years of my life quietly. I was really great at hiding it, but I had some really great friends who heard the voice of Jesus in my life, praise God. But, and plenty of other things that one day I'll share my story here. But it was so interesting how that one, one statement revealed the content of my heart, truly acknowledging that I don't love me. I love me to the extent that other people love me. Wow. And, and to, to find that sense of satisfaction or to find that sense of security in my heart, I did a lot of things that I, I didn't really want to do because I just wanted to feel loved. I just wanted to feel accepted. I just wanted to feel beautiful. And I know so many of us have been on this journey before, the ups and the downs, the ups and the downs. You know, like I'm, I've, I have these moments of breakthrough, but I can't quite understand why I'm not sustaining breakthrough. I can't understand why it feels like a time bomb is ticking and all of a sudden it runs out. And so tonight I'm going to talk to you about some keys, just kind of how we're wired as humans and why it is so important for us to truly love who God made us to be and how he made us. Because without that, we're lifting a whole lot of weight and eating McDonald's every night. So let's pray together before I jump into our first scripture. Jesus, we are so grateful that you define for us what love looks like. I'm so glad that we didn't have to come up with a definition because it wouldn't be right. So Jesus, we just surrender to what your definition of self-love and loving others looks like this evening. And I just pray that every heart that needs to hear this message would hear it. And everything that doesn't need to be heard or said would just fall to the wayside in the name of Jesus. (laughs) So... If you guys could, you could turn with me to Genesis 1, verse 26. I'm just going to read a couple verses here, so if you can't find it quickly, then... (laughs) I don't know how you can't find it quickly. It's like the first book of the Bible. It's like the first page. I'll let you get there. So, I found... 
I told Lyle, he, Lyle was out of town this week speaking at a conference in Pennsylvania, so I got the privilege of doing like mommy life, pregnant life, prepping for a sermon, thank God for my mother, I don't know how I would do it all. But I got the privilege of getting to like sit in the middle of like some tension and discomfort in the midst of prepping for this. And so I, I told Lyle, I was like, I just feel really lost. All I feel like I'm supposed to do is ask God, what is your definition of you know, loving myself? Not what are really good tools, because we have some really great tools available to us, but what do you say, who do you say that I am? And what does that mean for me as I'm on my journey of love and loving myself and so I, I, the Lord, all he said to me was, he brought me to, to this part of the Bible, the very first bit. And verse 26 says this, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the bird in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And I felt like the Lord said, start with me, and then everything will fall into place, hence what Lyle was sharing last week. Start with me. So I was like, okay, God, how are you made? Like, who are you as a being? And he was like, I am three parts. I am Father, I am Son, I am Holy Spirit. And I was like, that's like really cool. <laughs> I know that. And he said, but that's actually how you are too. Did you know that? Did you know that I made you, we, as you know, three in one, we made you in our image. Yeah, yeah. Meaning that you are a three-part person. You're not just, you know, just this like physical being, obviously. But you are equally body, equally soul, which is, I'll de define that as like your, your emotions, your mind, your will, and your spirit. And I was like, well, yeah, like, cool, I've heard that. But he, he spoke to me and he said, if you ignore one part of you, if you let one part of you become less important than all the others, then you'll find problems in how you love yourself. Wow. That's good. So to ignore, obviously, to ignore one part of the Trinity of the Godhead, it throws you off kilter. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've ever tried to do life without the Holy Spirit and His voice in your life. If you've never gotten the privilege to acknowledge the Holy Spirit in your world and your life, do it, because if you're missing out on it, you're missing out on a piece of the Godhead that helps you walk the pathway of life that he's laid out in front of you. But if you ignore Jesus, where's, where's your salvation? If you ignore the Father, where's your identity? Where? It's, it's missing. So as I started this journey, I realized, oh, my goodness, he made us in his image. Why? One, because he really likes himself. He really, really likes himself. He is so secure. Lyle mentioned this last week. He's so secure. He has no need for control in him. He's so secure being God. And he really, really likes himself. So when he thought 
Who do I want to do communion with and companion with? He's like, I want him to be like me. I want him to be like me. So if, if anything, if you learn anything from this part, have permission to like yourself a lot. Because you are made not only for connection, but you are made to enjoy yourself. Enjoy who you are, how you've been created. But sometimes we get caught up, stuck, because we're ignoring certain parts of our, of our DNA, of our makeup as human beings. Being a human does not mean having feet, arms, legs, eyes only. Being human is I have a spirit that acknowledges the presence of Jesus in my life. And it means having a soul that acknowledges I have, you know, a feeling today. And I have desires and wants and things that I need. So when you ignore one of those, I have found it to be very, very difficult to love yourself fully. How many of you can acknowledge I've probably ignored one, two, or all three pieces of myself at some point or another? I definitely have. I definitely have. So why? You know, why should we be interested in loving our whole selves? Not just like loving our body, like I look in the mirror and I'm like, ooh, I look so good today. I love me. Because that's like one piece, but it feels shallow, you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. when I look in the mirror, I'm like, I look so weird right now. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but seriously, you know, like, it's not just looking in the mirror and saying, man, like, I accept myself, you know, my physical man. Like, that's one part. Yeah, yeah. It's one part. If you've been trying to do that and you're like, why is it failing? I like my face. Like, probably because we're ignoring some other pieces that need to be loved on and need to be really loved on. So why should we be interested in loving ourselves at all? You know, what's the point? Why is it that God set it up in such a way that it feels like a ticking time bomb of our love to other people when we don't love ourselves fully? Um, if, you, if you have time, go ahead and turn to Mark 12. I'm going to read 30 through 31. I'm read 30 verses. Just kidding. <laughs> so Mark 12, verse 30 says, it's what Lyle was reading over the kiddos. It's a paraphrase of it in the New Testament. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. And he's talking in regards to a question that was asked of him about what is the greatest commandment in the law? And this is his response. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. What an interesting thing. Jesus sums up what he calls summing up the law and the prophets, meaning everything that has been said and established by him and everything that will be said moving forward, this is the greatest. This is the most important. Love me with all of you. It's first really great to acknowledge what is all of me. Love Jesus with all of you. And then 
love other people in the same manner you love yourself. There is no other commandment in scripture that's greater than those ones. And that is why loving yourself is so important. Because how truly do you love God with your whole self if you don't know who your whole self is? And how do you love your neighbor as yourself if you don't even like yourself? Right? It's like... It feels really, really shallow to love somebody, and you've been on the receiving side of it. It feels really shallow when somebody loves you for what they can get from you, or somebody loves you to the extent that they feel capable. It's exhausting. It's exhausting to be in that kind of relationship. It's exhausting to give out that kind of love. And this is why I really do, I really do feel like as we explore this, as we acknowledge that God himself is a three-part being, created us in his image, we are three-part beings. And we can't ignore one part knowing that God's asked us to love him with all of ourselves. And, and then he's asked us to love each other as we love ourselves. So I'm going to kind of jump into each of these little parts fairly quickly and just kind of go on a, a little bit of a of like vulnerable journey. Because like I said, I'm, I am not to the other side of this. I have been on this journey for eight years. I have been on a journey of what does it look like to be fully alive, be fully loved, love myself fully. And so I am not to, I am not to the other side of this. This is something that I hope to experience over a lifetime of journeying with Jesus. But the first is, the first part of who you are, obviously, is, or the first part we're going to talk about tonight, is your body. So your physical body, your head to your toes, your eyes, you know, your arms, your physical body. And there's something so interesting that the enemy loves to do because he knows that if he just like does something small, then you'll like take it and run with it. Did you know that? Like, he's not always in your head, just like trying to tell you weird stuff. He's likely planted a seed in your head like 10 years ago, and you're just like still jogging with it. You're like, yeah, I suck. He's like not there telling you you suck. Sorry if that was offensive for somebody. But genuinely, nobody's, he's not, he doesn't, he's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere all at one time. He is not God. So he's so good at telling us one thing that's so silly, but we run with it because we experience something that makes it true in our lives, or we just take it on board and we're like, yeah, sure, that sounds right. You know, I don't really like me, so that sounds right because I'm not, I'm not seeking Jesus for any other answers. So there are a couple things. This is by far not a comprehensive list. This is like very short list of things that I sense in prayer that the enemy loves to use as seeds planted in our hearts to actually help us to destroy ourselves from the inside out. I experienced that. I experienced that. I experienced one seed leading to an ungodly belief in her vow in my life that said, I can't love me, so I'm going to let somebody else love me, enough for me so that I never have to deal with myself. And that landed me in all sorts of trouble, all sorts of chaos. So our physical body, what's the lie so often that we hear from the enemy about our physical man? 
in prayer, it felt like the Lord said, it's that you have to be perfect. It's perfect. Perfection. You must lift this, and you must, you know, lift these, and you must, you know, wear the right thing and say the right stuff. And it must be perfect because nobody has any grace for you. That is a lie, obviously. We could all sit here and acknowledge that's a lie. You know, I don't, I don't have to be perfect. Maybe some of you have never heard that that's a lie. It's a lie. You don't have to be perfect. But that's a lie that the enemy tells us. Perfection is godliness. That's what the enemy likes to tell us, especially about our, our physical man. Our culture loves to tell us, loves to dictate to us what um, is lovely, you know, what is perfect. And most of that has been paid for, and most of it has been really suffered for. So what's the truth? You know, what is God saying to us as a believer about our physical bodies? And what does it mean to learn to love ourselves in the physical? What does it mean to love ourselves when we do step in front of that mirror and say, I love me. I feel amazing. And I felt like the Lord said, it's beauty. Beauty is truth. It's not perfection. It's beauty. And perfection says there must be no flaws. Beauty says, I am created by the master artist who deemed me beautiful. When he made me, he said, it's good. Yes. And that was his final statement about you. It's good. Come on. It's good. And he gets to define what beautiful is. Come on. Nobody else gets to define what beautiful is. Unfortunately, we have things pretty much thrown in our face all day long as to what is beautiful. But he decides what's beautiful. And you know, you know what he says is beautiful? Progress. Not perfection. A journey. Process. He says that's beautiful. So the moment we choose in our, in our physical self, like what, what we see, what we choose to see, the moment we decide that perfection actually can be taken off the table in the conversation of how I love myself and embracing what is true beauty, you can ask yourself the question, what is beautiful? Because he won't ever tell you what's perfect other than himself, because he is. But if you've ever looked through the lens of perfection, when you've asked God about your identity or who you are when you look in the mirror, he's not going to tell you about it. It's probably going to be pretty quiet. He's not interested in perfection. He wants to tell you what's beautiful. He wants to tell you what's real and what's progress and what's process. So tonight, if, if that's something that you've struggled with, like, 
you know, I've been really, really okay with myself, but I haven't never really loved myself, like, and how I've been made, or, you know, like, maybe there was a flaw in God's design of me, because I'm, I'm not what other people say is perfection. Let me remind you tonight that he said it is good. He said it's good over you. And he said it's good over the person next to you, too. So, yeah, because it is good. It is good. And as you allow him to define for you what is beautiful, you're going to see things like Jesus inside of you. Because that's what, that's what the God had declared beautiful. He made Jesus in the form of a man, sent him here to be with us. And what's, what's the last thing you read in the Bible about Jesus' beauty and his glory? Like what his face looked like, right? It's like the last thing you read. It's not like, man, he had like these beautiful brown eyes and he was like six foot tall. No, no, that's not what you think of when you think of the term beautiful if you're thinking about Jesus, right? Right? So why are you holding yourself to a standard that Jesus doesn't hold you to? You know, why am I holding myself to the standard of beauty or perfection that somebody else decides for me? So... Hmm. So Jesus, I just ask that you would define for us what beautiful looks like, that you would actually define for us what progress and process look like, and that we wouldn't be ashamed of our body, we wouldn't be ashamed of the way you made us, that we'd embrace it fully knowing that you said it is good and you require no perfection. Hmm. So the next part of the human being is the soul. And the soul is something that's kind of hard to articulate, maybe a little bit hard to define. Um, But like I said, I'm going to define it as your mind, your will, your emotions. So the stuff you think about, the stuff you feel, the stuff that kind of goes on on the inside, that is soul, you know? That is actually beautiful to Jesus. Your soul is not something that you have to kill. Please don't try to kill your soul. Because when you ignore it, I have to say this is probably the most ignored part of a human, is the soul, how you feel, what you're going through. It's so ignored, because we like, as believers, we're like, that doesn't matter. All the spirit stuff matters. We're so, so good at the spirit stuff, except when it's in the context of leaving out our soul. Like I said, you're not, you're not fully alive. You're not fully engaged. So mind, will, emotion, the stuff that's going on. If you've never been given permission to have feelings, congratulations. Today is your day. Have a feeling. Have an emotion. And share it with somebody. But I asked the Lord, okay, what is, why? Why do we ignore our soul so intensely? Why do we ignore and put aside the emotions of ourselves so intensely? And I felt like the Lord said, it's shame. 
I don't know if you guys know Brene Brown, but I wish she was my best friend. She is what she likes to articulate as a shame researcher. She basically goes on and has been on a journey for about 15 years of what shame does to the heart of a human. And this is probably the most vulnerable part for me of this whole sermon because I deal with it all the time. And it is so hard to talk about because it feels so real. Shame. Brene Brown defines shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. Shame says, because of what I've done or how I have behaved, I am unworthy of love. This is why we're really good at ignoring our soul, because we don't like to talk about the places that make us feel shame. We don't like talking about it. When I was going through probably one of, the, one of the most intense seasons of my life, I remember having friends around me who wanted to go on a deep dive of my inner life, my heart, my world. I feel like I spent every night at Daniel and Liz's house. <laughs> it was like every week. But I was in this really, really intense season of life. I feel like I did more crying than I did talking. And it really started me on this journey of like, why don't I like myself? Because this was the part of me I didn't like. I didn't like my soul. I didn't like the part of me that had feelings. I didn't like the part of me that had emotions. I definitely didn't like the part of me that had opinions. I didn't like to have an opinion. Enter stage left, Lyle. What do you like to do? I don't know. Why? Because I don't know me. I don't know my soul. I don't know what I like. I don't know what I dislike. I haven't given myself permission to do that. I just say, God, tell me everything, and then we'll do that. That's That's not how he made you. He's not afraid of your soul. He's not afraid of your feelings. He's not afraid of your mistakes. He wants to be right there in the middle of them. So, so this part, this, this shame thing, we sweep it under the rug. We don't talk about shame. And you want to know what it does? It makes you run from stuff like this. It makes you not want to be part of this. So congratulations, because all of you jumped over probably some of that stuff to be here tonight and connect. Congratulations. Because there's so many other people who are wandering around the world afraid of their feelings and afraid to connect because they don't want anybody else to see it. So what's the truth? Shame says you're unworthy of love because you made a mistake, because you behaved poorly, or because something happened to you. 
So the, here's the truth, and I did, I did steal this from Brene Brown, but I've adopted it as my own <laughs> because she's right. And here is what the truth is. Here's what God says about this part of you. And it is vulnerability equals courage. So vulnerability says, even if I might get hurt, I'm going to connect anyways because I'm worthy of being loved. And this is why you need courage in the middle of this stuff. Because who jumps over their shame quickly enough to say, me, I volunteer as the one to get hurt in relationship, but I'm going to do it anyways because I'm worthy of being loved. Right? None of us do that necessarily naturally. We're all wired for it, hardwired for it. All of us are hardwired for connection. All of us are hardwired to love ourselves. But when stuff creeps in, we love to believe the lie that we are not worthy of love, and then we push aside connection and we wonder where everybody went. And that's the time bomb I'm, taking, uh, I'm talking about. That's, that's the ticking part. That's when you hit your brick wall, and those are the brick walls we've all hit. And we're like, where the heck did everybody go? And they're all just like standing a mile away like, we told you to come here. Right, right. And you're so interested in protecting yourself and not letting other people see you that you actually aren't even loving yourself well. Wow. Because letting your soul be loved is letting your soul be seen. Yeah. Wow. So my encouragement is this. If you're struggling with shame, do not eject. This will come up in the rest of our talk about relationships over the week because this is the part of a human that touches other, other humans. Does that make sense? Yeah, our physical bodies were like, hey, how are you? We give a hug, but it's all motivated from this place. This like, I have a need. I have a desire for love and connection and having... Um, a real authentic life-on-life -life experience. This is the part that is, is probably the messiest, the most wonderful, the most spectacular part. So if you're struggling with shame tonight, I'm gonna, we're going to pray about it in a little while when I wrap up. But don't eject. Please be refueled by the truth that you are enough you are loved. You are accepted. You are. You are. You are. You are. So here's the final part, your spirit. Spirit's so interesting because as believers, we're like really great at it. You know, there are other people on the planet who walk around really in touch with their soul. You know, like they get a lot of great counseling, a lot of great feedback, which I so love counseling. I embrace it in my own life. But we're like, we think we're really proficient at the spirit part of ourselves. And you know what? A lot of us are really proficient at it. But here's what the enemy would love for us to believe about our spirit, our spirit man. And that is performance. 
Performance says, I can do in my own strength things that Jesus has already done for me, or I am more able to get me through my process than Jesus is. Wow. So that's, that's what we tell ourselves. Or that's what the enemy tells us one time, and then we jog along with it. We're like, okay, yeah, I can do it all by myself. Um, this could also be experienced by the people around you as pride. So this is like, this is the pride thing. This is like, I do it myself. It's like what your two-year-old says to you, no, mommy, I do it myself. That's them learning how to experience connection and be independent, yes, but learn the value more so that interdependence is beautiful, especially when it comes to our spirit, because our spirit is hardwired for connection with his spirit. So Satan has definitely capitalized on this very thing in our culture very super well. So basically he's told us we have no need for spiritual vitality. We have no need for it. We can erase it out of our lives. We can do everything on our own. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to be at church. I don't need to connect with other believers and I can just do it myself. Wow. That is not loving you well because part of you is crying. Your spirit is crying when you ignore this. It's crying. Like, it's crying out. You're just like shoving it back. You're like, I don't need that. I can do it all by myself. So here's the truth about this part. The truth is simple and it is rest. It's always how it's been. He created us in inspiration to be like him. And then what did he do? He rested. Because he has no need for you to be doing all the things. He doesn't need to be doing all the things. He's like, I'm going to go rest, right? Rest says, I choose to let Jesus be in charge of the pace of my life, in charge of my identity, and in charge of my destiny. Therefore, I can relax. I can relax. You can relax. If you feel exhausted and tired and you can't put your finger on it, chances are you've ignored this part of your heart. You've ignored this part of your being. If you feel like you're running on a hamster wheel, this could be why. Just relax. Just acknowledge him and be okay with the fact that you don't have to get everything done right now. Tending to your spirit and honoring your spirit will usually cause you to point in the right direction. If you honor your spirit, you'll be able to navigate when all the other things about you are off. If you're trying to perform, he doesn't see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, I don't, I'm not impressed. I just like you. It's good. You're good. I just like you. It's like trying to watch a dog get his own water. It's like out of the refrigerator or something, it'd be so awkward. It's like nobody expects that to happen. Why? The dog's not gonna get something extra like 
It's like, oh, that was so weird and very unnatural. Just imagine it. Like if you saw your dog pull a chair up to the, the sink and turn on the water, try to get some water in its bowl, it would feel so weird. Especially if you never taught him how to do that. That would be so weird. <laughs> Nick, can you come up here? I'm going to have you guys stand this evening as we're wrapping up. Obviously, like I said, this is not comprehensive. This is a first step to acknowledging that you are three parts, and you should like all of your parts. And I'm not saying in like a weird, like schizophrenic way, like I have all these weird parts. <laughs> it's okay if it doesn't make sense, because to me, the Trinity doesn't make sense. How is, how is it three and it's one? I don't know. All I know is that I trust. <laughs> yes, Jesus. <laughs> so how do we love ourselves well unless we acknowledge the fullness of who we are? How do we love him well unless we acknowledge the fullness of who we are? We can't move forward if we're eating McDonald's every night, if we're like in here trying to lift weights. So tonight is the night for us to declare that we love ourselves in the same way that he loves us, which is fully, which is without any part missing. So tonight, this is going to be one of those vulnerable, courageous moments. And if you, specifically, I felt like we were supposed to go after shame. But if you have experienced or have off and on experienced in your life, shame that keeps you from loving you and therefore keeps you from connecting with anybody else around you, whether that's in season, now, or something that you experience off and on, I just... Would you be brave and raise your hand because I want to pray for you this evening. I'm raising my hand too because me too. Me too. Because I think that as a family, we're supposed to experience authentic connection, but until we acknowledge that we have a responsibility to love ourselves, we won't do it really well. And I want us to do it really well. I want us to experience what kingdom family looks like. Not what your weird definition of family is. Not what my weird definition of family is. Because God's like, I want to redefine it. It's better. And let's get rid of this in your life. So Jesus, if you're around them, if you're somebody who doesn't have your hand raised, just lay your hand on the person next to you. You can put your hand over your heart. Because Jesus, we allow you to define for us what success in our personal lives look like. We allow you to define for us what beauty looks like. We allow you to define for us what healthy emotions look like. And we now reject every lie that the enemy has spoken over us, whether we've partnered with it or it's just floating around in our, in our heads. God, we reject every lie and we embrace your truth, which is we don't have to be perfect. 
we just get to be beautiful. We don't have to be ashamed because we're accepted and we choose vulnerability and to be courageous in our connection with ourselves and with you. And we reject perfection knowing that you say rest is better. And just like we talked about last week, we want you to define for us what relationship looks like. So tonight, Jesus, we accept your definition of what self-love looks like. We accept your definition of what true identity is in the kingdom. Hmm. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for transformation. And we thank you for progress. And we thank you for process because we're not perfect at it, but we want to be better at it. We don't want to run away from people. We want to run to them. We want to do what you've asked us to do, which is to love our neighbor. So Jesus, as we continue on in this, ser- this sermon series, Relation Fit, let us learn to love like you love. Well, let's give Jesus a big round of applause because he deserves it. He is wonderful. He's amazing. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you, Allison. Can you guys give a round of applause to Allison again? Because that was so good. So good. Yeah, it was good. Thank you. Genuinely, thank you. I think I could speak for everyone here. We, we were all blessed by your message tonight and we just honor you and thank you for your voice thank you for just the gift of what it is to have you and your vulnerability so i just wanted to felt like we were supposed to take a moment and just honor you for that so thank you ah so thank you all for coming out thank you especially family and friends who are here for baby dedications we love having you here we welcome you back if you ever want to come back and visit and yeah, just thank you guys. Um, just a couple of little things this week. It's team night on Wednesday, so please come out. We would love to have you. We'd love to get you guys plugged in. If you ever just wanted to know, like, how do I even like get to know people? How do I get a place in this family? It's team night. So come out Wednesday. We'd love to have you guys. Um, and other than that, uh, ministry team will be up here so if you have anything you want to get prayed over um, whether it's from the message tonight or just anything else going on there will be a ministry team up here we'd love to pray with you guys and thank you all hug a neck love on someone have a great week night